Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Tuesday, February 14th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. New development projects along the riverfront in St. Louis have gained momentum in recent years. They must also account for a Mississippi River that's becoming less predictable. Now, whatever you build, whatever you outfit or change, it really needs to be engineered to flood. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt will examine how developers are dealing with the challenge. Missouri state workers are closer to getting a pay raise. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports, the House has passed a budget bill with increases and other items. Within the measure is an 8.7% cost of living adjustment for state workers. Additionally, some would earn an extra $2 an hour for working late or overnight shifts. The supplemental budget, which is the first of two the legislature will pass this year, also includes money for school safety grants and to the State Emergency Management Agency. House Budget Chair Representative Cody Smith defended the bill in response to requests from Democrats to invest more money in state workers to respond to a rising cost of living. Unfortunately, we can't spend our way out of all societies of problems. So with that, Mr. Speaker, I'd ask for the body support here. We will continue to work on the next budget, and I appreciate the body support. House members voted 151 to 2 to advance the legislation to the Senate. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. Opponents of a planned silica mine in St. Genevieve County want the state to stop the proposal. The Missouri Independent reports residents presented their case yesterday to a House committee. NextGen wants to begin mining operations into seeking state approval. A permit was approved last year, but later revoked. Opponents are concerned about the potential impact on area water and air. Supporters say a measure being considered by the state legislature specifically targets NextGen. The Deaconess Foundation will distribute up to $100,000 in grants to grassroots campaigns and public policy efforts aimed at improving the health and well-being of families. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports. The foundation will fund organizations and campaigns in Missouri and southern Illinois. It will consider campaigns focusing on health care access, mental health care, education, environmental justice, systemic racism, and other issues. Bethany Johnson-Javois is president and CEO of the Deaconess Foundation. She says such efforts could build more grassroots advocacy and convince people to vote in the next election cycles. We really uh, want to see that these types of approaches are energizing people at the neighborhood level, right? That people begin to see themselves as actors and shapers in their own fate. Applications are due February 27th. Another round of grants will be available next year. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. Mid-America Airport has set a passenger record for the second year in a row and could reach another standard this year. The Metro East Airport primarily serves low-cost and leisure carriers. Director Brian Johnson. And that actually was our strength as we came out of the pandemic. Um, There was a lot of appeal to those that had been in their homes and and not uh, being able to travel. Johnson says this could be another record year for passengers because more full planes are leaving mid-America. He says more passengers went through the airport last month compared to January 2022, even though there were fewer flights. A new music festival could attract up to 20,000 concert goers to Forest Park for two days in August. 
As St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports, headliners for the inaugural Evolution Festival include Brandy Carlisle, the Black Keys, and the Black Crows. It's the first concert of this scale planned for Forest Park since Lufest canceled days before its 2018 event. Producers of the new festival say they're putting several million dollars into it and plan to make it annual. Co-producer Steve Shankman expects a core audience of people in their 40s and 50s, a bit older, he says, than at some other big music festivals. That's why you see the artists we book. I mean, it's got a lot of stuff that a lot of people want to see. It's not for everybody. It's not an EDM festival. It's not a rap festival. It's not a Motown festival. It's a mix of some great, well-known, Grammy Award-winning artists. The event will also showcase barbecue and bourbon. Other artists include Brittany Howard, Ice Cube, and Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. Ideas for new development along parts of the St. Louis Riverfront are nothing new. A few recent proposals have won tax incentives from the Board of Aldermen. The biggest challenge for developers is not governmental hurdles, but the Mississippi River itself. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports. Whitewater tumbles over the chain of rocks near the northernmost tip of St. Louis. The power of the river is evident here, even though the Mississippi is quite low right now. Seasoned St. Louisans like Mike Clark know what the river can look like when it's much higher during a flood. We've had 46 feet, 42 feet, which means everything you can see, as far as you can see, goes underwater until it hits a bluff or something like that. He motions to a large mound of dirt on the opposite bank that's the site of a proposed marina and entertainment district. Clark is better known as Big Muddy Mike and the founder of Big Muddy Adventures, which guides canoe and other paddling trips on the Mississippi and Missouri rivers around St. Louis. Today, he and a few other guides are taking us out on the Mississippi. Before we can go anywhere, we review river safety and each cinch up a life jacket. Then it's time to carry the canoe down to the river's edge and get paddling upstream. Just north of the I-270 bridge, the land set for development comes into clear view. But if we go over there, uh, when you get right next to the, uh, what amounts to a levee, which is now riverbank, um, you'll get, you'll, it'll give you a sense of the, uh, it was too windy to paddle up next to it, but even a half mile away, on the other side of the river, the mound of dirt still towers over the water. But Big Muddy Mike says that may not be enough to protect it in a future flood. Developers of the Lighthouse Point project disagree and plan to outfit the site with streets and utilities this year, before construction of the marina, indoor water park, and trampoline park begins in 2024. Tim Morris, a managing principal of M2 Development Partners, says parts of the project still have to pass muster with the Army Corps of Engineers and environmental agencies. These are agencies that don't really care, you know, about our development. They care about the natural resources and the flow of the river and protecting the assets associated with that. Mark Repking, also with M2 Development Partners, says the property is protected since it was raised high enough that the Federal Emergency Management Agency doesn't list it in a floodplain. It was floodplain to some degree, 
because of its elevation, but it was protected with an existing levee. And it, you know, as the waters over the years went up and down, it never flooded the site except for 1993, which was the historic flood level. But to Colin Wellenkamp, executive director of the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative, that misses the reality of modern riverfront development. Now, whatever you build, whatever you outfit or change, it really needs to be engineered to flood. Putting up a wall around it, putting up a levee around it is only going to make things more risky for you, and it's also going to make things more risky for your neighbors. He says most of the hundreds of cities and towns that are part of his organization have stopped trying to engineer the river to meet their needs. Wellencamp says instead they're conforming development projects to the dynamics of the Mississippi. So many of my cities have seen new projects wash away or get stuck in the mud because the water's way out there in the channel because it's a drought. Developers of other projects that touch the city's riverfront are taking note. Hank Weber is a principal at Urban Impact Advisors and a senior advisor to the Gateway South project. He says the proposed construction and design innovation district near the Arch is still in its infancy, with construction of the first phase set to begin in June of 2024. Weber says there is a vision for the project to eventually include a river port, and resiliency will need to be at the forefront of those plans. How do we use the river as a commercial asset, as well as a recreational asset, that respects the river, respects climate change, and respects the challenge, which is that it floods. Weber says any responsible developer or public agency that approves development has to recognize this reality, even if it's not trivial to accommodate for. On the Mississippi River, I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.